Welcome to Millennial Z and Boomer X podcast. I'm Boomer X. Millennial Z. And today we're talking about the big quit or what the news people are calling the great resignation. Um, you know, like how, how bad is it? Why is it happening now? What's going on? And what are our personal experiences and thoughts about it? So I'll tell you, I've, I've been a part of that. Uh, I retired early at the end of July, 2021. And the reason for it was um, I didn't want to be so old. I saw some of my contemporaries and people older than me die not long after retiring and never was able to do what they will. They were always doing what other people told them to for those other people's benefit. And that's just a small part. I'm sure I'm not the only one. I, I read another article where you know, people are calling, well, it's not the big quit or the great resignation. It's the great sabbatical. They're going to realize that they need to get back to work or they're just changing careers or jobs. And really, that's what I'm doing. I'm not going to do anything and just play golf. I don't even like golf or, or stroll around the neighborhood with a small dog or whatever people do allegedly do in their retirement. Um, I just wanted to do something else. And I could. I had reached a point where I thought I could plan it out. I had 20 and a half years service uh, with state government, um, was able to save some money and plan things out. So my thing was, if I don't do it now, I won't be able to do it at all. You know, and you never know what's going to happen. When I had several friends die, uh, a few from COVID, a few from cancer, a few from uh, just life, you know, things, unforeseen things happening. And I'm like, I need to do this. Uh, I think about it. I, I prepared them for it, meaning I prepared my employer for it. I trained people. They knew well in advance. And it was just time for me to do something else. So I resigned from that to, to further my life in another way um, and pursue other interests and avenues. So I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that because I was working from home and you get to see what you really need or don't need. And I suspect these other people were doing the same thing. They were just doing a whole life evaluation and going, you know what? Uh, I don't need to do that particular job. I, I, I can do something else. You know, right. I, I suspect that's really the biggest push. The pandemic forced a lot of people to take stock of themselves, their lives, and what they really want to do, what they really need and don't need. Like when I was growing up, it was all about getting more, doing better, having better things, having more things. And when you're stuck at home and no matter how many things you have, you, you, won't, you, only, you really see what you do and don't need and what brings you joy and is just a pain in the behind and requires a lot of maintenance or just like, why do I spend all that money on that? I don't, I don't really enjoy it at all. And it doesn't do anything but cause me aggravation. And now it takes up space and I have to spend money to maintain it. And, you know, I, but it, I was never like that in the first place, but I can see a lot of other people coming to that realization uh, and going, I can downsize, I can downsize a lot. And I don't, I don't need, this job to maintain this lifestyle. I, I can assume another lifestyle where I'm happier, less stressful, and find another job. You know? Yeah. I think that was a big part of it. I think another one was a lot of people realizing they don't need to commute 10, 15, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, two hours, some people, you know, a day to go to some job where they could have done their work from home. They're successfully doing their work from home for over a year, some people. They're like, why do I need to go back when you're telling me to go back when I've been doing my job perfectly fine from home, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I, I read an article uh, right before the pandemic, in fact, and it said that the average commute in the United States was 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that's, one, that's one way, you know. So, right, so an hour and a half every day. Of your life. Gone. At least five days a week, usually. Yeah, just sitting in a vehicle, negotiating traffic to go to work or go home. Uh, and I can believe that uh, in the Gulf South where we are, that's probably about right. I only live 12 miles from work 
and an average commute was 30 minutes due to traffic. Um, now, earlier in my career, if I was going to do any work because of the nature of work I did, I was driving two to three hours one way every day. So my days are very long. Then I would work 10 to 12 hours that day and drive two to three hours to come back. You know, then I'd have to do a report, get some sleep, you know, figure out marketing, you know, on other days, squeeze that in. You know, it, it was different. It was a different, <laughs> I had a different mindset. I was trying to build a business and I would not do that now. It's simply find another, I would find another way. But, you know, even now when I worked in an office, I was going downtown and I live in the city. It was 30 minutes one way. So it was an hour, you know, and you realize you're here, you know, and, and I realized I was doing a lot more actual work when I was stuck at the house and they didn't want us to go in the office and potentially spread the problem, you know, that everybody was experiencing because I had nothing else to do. I was sitting there just working, you know, no distractions, no anything. And I know they realized that too, but a lot of office things happen when you're not actually at your desk, just the socialization, like, Hey, you know, we're bringing, we're working on this and you, and, and problems get solved and socialization and networks get made. People, some people still had to go in. They made it, they, they created skeleton crews, and those people became more listened to and thought to be more relevant than the people who stayed home. Right. Uh, because they're yeah. there, they're, they're seen. So, yeah, they're seen every day and they develop personal relationships. And as human beings, you know, if we're in close proximity to people, we either form an attachment bond or a great distaste for that person, <laughs> you know, and, and, that, and that happened. So, you know, that office politics, no matter what you do or what you say, you're going to have to deal with that. So, but, and, you know, and like I said, I think it was a lot of realizations that people were having uh, during the time they were forced to stay home about how much money do I actually need? What kind of work do I actually want to do? What kind of lifestyle do I actually want to have? And they said, you know, I'm going to do it, you know, um, yeah. that month. Yeah. I, that's what it just seems like you know, uh, to me. And, th and that's what I saw. And anybody who had the opportunity to change the direction of their life took it. They, they made a decision to do just that. Um, you know, they, I, I saw that uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, United States, in April 2021, said that nearly 33 million left their positions over this period uh in 2020 uh that's a fifth of the total u.s workforce yeah that's huge yeah that is huge that's that's almost a tenth of all people in the country and a fifth of the actual workforce quit now that you know that's also shared with the mandates people not agreeing with all of that but i mean that's also part of the assessing your current job and what val what value system they have and it doesn't align with your value system you know and it doesn't align with what you want to do with your life so i, I suppose it's in the same ballpark well, that, of was, that was definitely it for me i thought you know that i was helping you know do things and make the world a better place which is why i started working for government um i really wanted to contribute and then when i actually saw that it's essentially <laughs> uh a bunch of people who had their own interests in mind that's how they became at the top of uh, politics and i'm like i'm not supporting they're not helping the people as they should they're just they're just trying to stay ahead of this and make themselves look like people who care when they don't care about anybody but themselves and the people they hire they hire to be sycophants and loyalists and that's all and if they're not they're not interested in having them around I, I was a civil servant. I wasn't one of those appointed people. Uh, so I just wanted to do a good job. And they were constantly looking at ways to try to make, to try to create the position into something that made them look better, not to do a better job, but to make them look better. And that drove me crazy. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. We're not working in the best interest of the people. You know, they mm -hmm. wouldn't do anything overtly or knowingly illegal but they sure would twist everything up best way they could in order to make it for their benefit. Uh, instead of going, look, this is the most efficient and best way to make this happen. Instead of like, this is the best way to make it look like we're doing something. 
Um, so everybody knows that something's being done rather than just get the job done. Yeah, well, it's a flawed system when it's a popularity contest. You, you're well, always thinking about your image. Yeah, but, you know, and, and, and you got to have something, you know, some system. Um, and I don't want to get into the politics of it. I just it just made me reevaluate that, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not working out to the best of everybody involved with me here and they're going to do it because they're all they're all together trying to cover each other's behinds to make sure that they have a job um right. re-elected you know uh so so they can yeah. have those high-powered positions and and high pay positions and i deliberately turned it down i was offered that um but i was like no because now you're loyal to an individual and to, instead of the people of the state and that, that was my true calling. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And that's all, that's all I was ever interested in. If I, was, if I looked like I was having a problem, it's because, look, I'm thinking of the betterment of everybody, not myself. I'm putting myself in the hot seat so it looks like that I'm trying to be the person to spearheaded and, and have glory, but I'm not. I'm doing it because I'm taking all the responsibility in order to, you can blame me, so I can make sure this gets done for the betterment of everybody. That's all I did. But clearly that that wasn't going to be tolerated. So it was time for me to do something else after I'd put in 20 and a half years of, of uh, you know, arguing with people. And, and, and I was the one actually doing I was doing it when nobody else knew how to do it. And they would fight me on every detail. But I was always thinking years down the road instead of what is this going to look like this week or to people that figure I couldn't care less, you know, I, I, I didn't want to look bad. I didn't want to create a problem. I just wanted to make sure, look, you just have to put this into practice the proper way and it's going to get done the way it needs to, you know, for everyone, not just a small group of people, but you know, that's another thing. And, and what I was saying is I'm sure other people had their own epiphanies, you know, and said, you know what? This I don't need to deal with this anymore. I, I want to do something that's more helpful. I want to do something that feeds my soul, you know, so to speak, and and give myself purpose that I can be proud of. And I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, I truly hope it's I hope it's that way. I, I hear, you know, anecdotal stories of that, but I'm not sure if that's the mass consensus because the cultural materialistic, you know, all, atmosphere of america in general is just very overwhelming for a lot of people they don't even understand what they're doing they just buy things for status constantly they don't even know they're doing it they just they they just see market values and they see market ads and they com they completely just let it take over their lives yeah it's it's difficult to um to fight that when you're inundated with that from the time you can you can see and hear by everything around you uh phones computers televisions, billboards, radios, you know, podcasts, you know, it's, it's difficult to try to shake that. I need this. I need that. Wouldn't that be cool? And you do want to, you know, enjoy your life, but mm -hmm. at some point you're like, that's enough. You know, what, yeah. what else? I, there's only so many things that I can do and pursue. Um, how much stuff do I need to stack up to try to fill that hole, whatever it is, you know, you know, it, 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 um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it, at least that's what I think. But I think, obviously, the great resignation or the big quit is about discontent. Uh, discontent of what type? I don't know. I just gave my personal story, and I suspect I'm not the only one. But another one is people quit jobs for two reasons. One, the pay isn't up to snuff or the working conditions. You know, and working conditions can either be, it's either unsafe or they're being abused. They're yeah. either being abused by coworkers or managers or clients. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's, just toxic. That's, that's yeah. pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much it. That, it. So if you took the job and you're getting paid what you were promised and the job's pretty much what they said, meaning they didn't lie to you or abuse you, misrepresent the job, because that's a form of abuse if they fraudulently represent the job pay you a lot less than what they purported and then they work you a lot more than what they described, that would be, you know, a discount because you were, you were being abused. But, you know, I think most of it, like 
7% of the job quits or re resignations were with hotel and um, food, you know, mm -hmm. restaurants. Yeah. Now, a lot of them were due to they closed during that 2020 period, you know. Uh, but the thing is, they didn't just hold on. They said, well, I quit. They're like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. This job, it doesn't pay well anyway. It's a lot of stress. And now when I need money, y'all are just going to leave me out, you know. Right. They didn't just say, well, call me, you know, on hold or, or laid off or awaiting a new. They just left. Mm -hmm. you know? I think that's also, too, is that a lot of people, you know, they're working 10, 12 hours a day, some of these jobs, and they just don't have time to assess their life even, let alone look for another job. They just yeah. do the same thing over and over daily, and they don't even think about it because yeah. they, they do, they, they get into a certain type of depression about it. You know, they're like, I'm not doing what I wanted to do in life. So they just keep doing the same thing. And yeah, you're on that grind, you know. You and when you get a break like this with COVID, you know, you get two months, three month break for some people. Some people even longer. They start to really able to reassess their value system and how they really want to look at the world they're they're living in. You know, I would have to agree. I hope so. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, that would be good. That means people are are saying, you know what, this is not worth it. Um, if you want me to do this kind of grind, you need to pay me more. If you want me to put up. Because, you know, most people are actually pretty, pretty good people or, or the world wouldn't work at all. But yeah. some people are not. So, you know, some waiters and waitresses and people who work in the hospitality area, like for hotels and restaurants, uh, tourism and that kind of thing, are dealing with some horrible people. And they will so desperately want to just say, just tell them all and tell them don't come back. But they can't because they can't lose their job. So they put up with that you know, abuse and, and put that smile on their face because there's nothing saying, you know, it's one thing to like you, you put out your best and everybody has a bad day or makes a mistake, but to do it continuously and you can't even say, now, wait a minute, there's no reason to talk to me that way. They're not even allowed to say that, you know, they yeah. just have to smile and say, well, I'm sorry when they did nothing wrong and that person's being a monster, you know, they have to continually put up with that kind of abuse. So they're like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this, you know. And, and the little bit of money the government paid them during that time, that 2000 here, 1400 there, that's not, that's not going to pay, but a couple of months, you know? So that yeah. wasn't it. It was, it was the time saying they had to find, they did a reevaluation and found another job to be more suitable. I would hope so. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I would hope so as well. I, I really hope a lot of people, like you said, really took an epiphany in life instead of you know what can what's the next hustle for me to for me to do instead i i really hope so because it that's never that's a never-ending story of of uh dissatisfaction in the end because you're going to be you know constantly looking for the next best thing and then you realize yeah. you just wasted 30 years that's what a lot of people do you know they just they just try to float along but you know you just have to one of them just has to hit then you're golden you know that's that's how it looks so if they never give it their shot, if they've been having something in mind, I've always wanted to start this business for myself. You know, I've always wanted to do, go into this uh, career field. I've always wanted to have this kind of job or do this. Like, okay, now's your shot. Everything's shut down. You know, now's your chance to get into it. And I'm hoping that that's, that's it. Um, yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, chase your dreams for sure, especially if you get the chance like this where you have plenty of free time. Why not? You have nothing to lose. You know, mm -hmm. this is this is one of the great opportunities of any. But I, I'm talking about the people, you know, they get fired from something and then they, oh, I'm going to go be, you know, something else that pays terrible, has no ladder. And it's just a it's just a fill in for now. You know, technically, they did quit their other job, but they're just filling it up with something else. That's yeah, essentially well. the same thing. Some people don't have that choice and, and I feel that's for true. Them. Yeah. And, and I did, I did read where they said, you know, they have the great resignation that we discussed earlier with those statistics. Um, you know, in November, 2021, uh, we saw what 2020 had, but November, 2021, like 4.1 million people quit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's huge. One month. That's the most, Anybody, any group has quit in the United States in one month in history since they've been keeping track. Yeah. You know, that's big. And that's not too long ago. That's just a few months ago, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
and that's when people were getting back to work a little bit. You know, yeah. they, were, they were in between outbreaks, you know, stuff yeah, going on. That up. timing tells a lot. It's like, that's when, yeah, that's when people really started trying to go back to work and they were like, nah, I'm not doing this again. You right, know? right, right. Which, which makes me think that, you know what? That means other jobs and businesses are gearing up and they're looking for people. So people were able to leave the jobs they didn't like and go to other jobs that they may have liked better, you know, or, mm-hmm. or have better pay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if they're going to do a similar job, but this other place is going to pay you more because they want to get up and started, you know, they're going to take that job. So they're going to quit their old job. So that's going to, you know, that's going to count as a resignation. Um, not a bad thing because wages have been stagnant in the U.S. for decades, really. It hasn't kept up with inflation, certainly not in the last six months. So you have to find something that pays more if it's offered and you're doing basically the same thing. You yeah. Know, you know. Employers are starting to compete, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it as well, especially since the economy looks like it's uh, starting to heat up again. Uh, with inflation, that means there's more money to go around, so got to be coming from somewhere, uh, e- even though the supply chain seems to be still choked down. But that means other things are working, so somebody's paying somebody. Somebody's buying something. Well, what was it? I mean, inflation has the contribution to a couple of things i know what was it last year they said two-thirds of america's printed money ever printed was in the last year before that or something like that it was some insane number so fiscal policy yeah that's that's so that i mean you have to know inflation is going to happen and they were aware it was going to happen i'm not sure they were aware it was going to be like this but they felt they had to do something because they're definitely afraid of a, of a depression era type thing and it's not going to allow that to happen. But you don't want hyperinflation because then... The bubble that, bus. That's worse. I mean, that's, that was the start of World War II, right? Uh, and, it, and it's crushed countries. I mean, that's how the IMF, uh, the International Monetary Fund, that's how they have destabilized governments is by creating hyperinflation. So that's you know, part of their policy sometimes rather than wage a war that all the bankers and governments get together and do that. So, you know, and, and it looks like they're going to try to stop that by increasing rates soon to, to cool inflation off. So they're aware of it. But, you know, a little bit of depression might not be a bad thing to rein in some of, some of that inflationary pressure. You know? Yeah, it's definitely a pessimist view on it, but I think it's a necessary one when you see the other choices. You know, when you have this much inflation this fast, you know, there, something's going to have to happen. Yeah. It's, yeah. Unfortunately, it, it's probably not going to be a good thing <laughs> yeah, it's, for anybody. It's, it's going to well, create pressure for the average they, person <laughs> Yeah, that they can't foresee. You know, people are going to have to go, OK, what do I do now? You, you have to find another job just because, you know, you got to pay rent. You know, you got to. And some people are doing that already, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there's only you only so many hours in a day. And ultimately, you have to eat and you have to sleep. And you have to see your family and friends or what's the point of working, you know, then, then you're going to see crime start to go out of control, I think, because people are going to be despairing and desperate, you know, they're going to go, yeah. I'm not dealing with this and, and it's all their fault, you know, um, but it's not like the old days, man, electronics follow everybody everywhere and there's cameras all over you, you can't get away with things like you used to, you know, so <laughs> Maybe you might want to rethink that. Um, it's a lot easier when they uh, make laws that allow you to steal as long as it's under a grand in places like California. <laughs> well, they're finding that out. And uh, yeah, they're like, well, what do we do? How do we stop this? You just reinstitute the laws you had before when that wasn't happening. How about that? Well, no, we can't do that. Uh, yeah, that, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, crime's definitely going to raise. I mean, if you increase the inflation level, it increases the baseline for affording things, which increases the poverty line. I mean, that's just... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to fall economics. into that and, 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 you know, they're going to become more desperate. So, you know, they have to do that, especially with stagnant wages. Now, wages are starting to go up, which is, I think, one of the, uh, we discussed, one of the reasons for the, the, the big quit. Uh, but again, the other reason is there's a bunch of jobs popping up. People see the economy start to warm up and they're, they're trying to start those businesses. They're trying to uh, get those things going again. And they need people and everybody's been home and a lot of them quit. So they're hiring a bunch of people too. I'd be interested to see the statistics, you know, when they become available is like, okay, how many people got hired? You know, cause right now all I see is statistics on how many people left. And yeah, uh, well, that was the thing is, I think it was also a kind of a 
a hot topic for people was, oh, 55% of people are intending to quit their jobs in the next year. It's like, when we look at the average, that's probably not that far from the average. Most people are probably intending to quit their jobs. How many of them actually do it or actually change their ways? You know, like yeah. everybody's just, dis- everybody's discomforted about the job they have at the moment. So. Yeah. That's what I said. Uh, you, you know, uh, it, it, it did see the thing. I think it was business reports. Yeah. That said that over 50%, 50 plus percent of the people are discontented with their jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and that was in uh, December, 2021. So, right. wow. Um, that's, that's half. Now, you know, nobody wants to work where a place where they're not appreciated and they're underpaid. So, you know, so I don't know if that's the reason, or they just the kind of person don't want to work at all, which I, I want to stay busy. I, I like working. I like doing things. I like challenges and making things happen. Um, but you want to do it in your own way, you know, and feel like you're doing something that's worthwhile and helps other people. Um, yeah. Like I hope this podcast makes people think and consider, you know, but, you know, I, that idea that it might be the great sabbatical, which implies that, you know, a, a year may pass and everybody's going to realize I need more money. You know, like, I, I, you know, my conspiracy theorist hat comes on <laughs> and goes, this might be done to get people back to work because they can't afford anything anymore, you know. Food's high, electricity's high, energy's high, cars are high, rent's high, everything else is high. So, man, I got I got to get back to work. I thought I could make it on what I had squirreled away or or these benefits, but I can't do it. I gotta I gotta get back to work. So that would be that would be horrible if that's the case. But you know, it's I you know anything's possible, right? I'm I'm not I'm not gonna shoot that down, but I think that yeah. the biggest reason is again the the printing of money just being out obscene and then also the supply chain like we're talking about it's very limiting right now so when you have when you have high demand but low supply you're going to have a yeah, higher and cost you have a lot of liquid capital out there it, it, it's available you're going to there people be willing to pay whatever to, to make things happen especially businesses you know mm-hmm. like i say you can drive by any uh vehicle dealership any auto dealership and look out there and it's pretty much empty yeah, it's skeleton. They're they're trying to make it look like there's cars in there by by parking them sideways in front of the yeah. in front of the interstate and stuff yeah. to make it. It's hilarious to watch, but it's like it's just a desperate attempt to show right. like, oh, well, we have we have cars. Are the employees at the at the dealership? You know, it's and they're on the. I side. remember working at a dealership, and I'm just remember having to park cars and like trying to find space. You know, right. like you're trying to figure out how to organize all these cars so you can fit more into this parking lot. Yeah. Now it's just like it's free reign. I could do donuts in this thing if I really yeah. wanted to. Yeah, you, yeah, you could. You could run around and never hit a car. I mean, just, you know, yeah. just riding around. So, and the motorcycle dealerships, we both ride motorcycles. You go in there and you might see yeah. one or two beat up old used vehicles that nobody wants just because they know they can't get parts for it to fix it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, Good old BMW and Harleys right now are, are going going by the thigh, man. They're everywhere in there in the used uh, the used areas. That's what yeah. I've seen anyway. Yeah, because they're they're getting top dollar for them. If people say, "I only ride this thing five times a year," I think now's the time to to trade it in. You know that, that too. Yeah, yeah. If the cost for the repair isn't worth it to you, or the maintenance, you know, because it's going to raise the maintenance is going to raise because the supply chain's messed up. And then you're also looking at, well, I could get rid of this thing for more than I paid for it four years ago. That's insane. Why oh, wouldn't I do insane. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I do that? So that that's true. So that caused it, but I'm, I'm just wondering how it affects people who decide I don't need to work here anymore. I quit, you know, um, that's, that's interesting. Uh, when I, when I saw those numbers, I mean, I know why I did it, but it was my personal thing, you know, and I, and my whole life was planned around saving up some money, putting stuff in stocks, putting in a retirement fund and making it ready, having enough to, you know, uh, go those few years before my pension starts. Like I, there can't be that many. They can't be one fifth of the country doing the same thing. You know? uh, yeah, yours was just a coincidence. Everybody else was, yeah, definitely a reaction. Yours was proaction, if anything. Right, right. Yeah. Theirs was, I don't need this anymore. I don't mm-hmm. you know what's going on. And I'm and I remember thinking, man, I hope, I hope they're okay because you know, you, you just don't know what's gonna be. I, but like I said, I thought about it. I think a lot of it also is. They're not chasing all the goods and services. I mean, and I mentioned it before. Um, 
you can get by on a lot less. And I think people realize that like, I'm getting by on a lot less. I'm spending almost nothing. And a lot of that has to do is I don't have to go to work and I don't have to de-stress from being around those people all day that don't like me <laughs> and right. from making all that commute and from having that vehicle. And I don't have to pay for childcare because they childcare were closed and they realized how much they were spending for that, for gas, for maintenance, for another vehicle, um, for all that stuff. And like, if I just quit, you know, especially if it's a household with two people working, we can make it fine. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, people just started getting two cars, you know, in the late sixties, early seventies, most of the time before then it was one car, you know, yeah. and yeah. And in the house, of course there was no internet. There was a television with rabbit ears or the antenna outside the house that picked up one and a half stations where we were because it was a rural area, but three stations, if you were lucky, um, and tele a landline telephone, there were no telephones in your pocket. And the biggest expense aside from your mortgage or rent was food. You know, that was it. And if you wanted to spend time or, or entertain yourself, you called friends, you, you played, they played cards, they hung out together, they talked, um, they might watch a movie at the movies, you know, which wasn't a thing in the pandemic, or a TV show that everybody wanted to see. They would go to one house, watch it and talk about it, you know, and, uh, and of course, everybody was smoking cigarettes back then, but do that. <laughs> and, you know, and they'd sit around and they'd talk about it, or they'd go to the, they'd sit at the kitchen table and talk to each other all night long. The cars are just a way to, to, to mark time, you know, or do something mm -hmm. different. But really, that's that's what everybody did. You know, after work on weekends, you know, people went to the zoo or they went to the beach or they went to the lakefront or or they walked. They went to the park or they just went to town just to hang out and meet people, go into the shops or, or, or go into the, uh, a restaurant or something like that. And that was it. That was most of entertainment you had some people who were you know into horses or into racing cars or or uh you know working on cars, doing other everybody had their hobbies but it wasn't there weren't that many expenses to have unless you created them like now you have to have a smartphone if you're going to function in modern society in any kind of way i mean mm -hmm. you, you you make applications by going online you have to have internet service there was none of that to buy none yeah. of that to spend on you know yeah um, so you have to have the you have to buy the at least you know 700 to 1100 dollar phone and then you have to at least pay 50 to 80 dollars on smart your, you know your uh yeah, your cell phone service. yeah you yeah. had all of these expenses that you had to have to function now if you're staying home you know with the kids or you you, you decide not to have a landline and you have a two adult household and only one of them's leaving you don't need to have two brand new cars. You don't need to have uh, a landline and a phone in everybody's pocket. You don't need to have somebody paying to watch your kids. And that's it. They weren't any daycares back then. You, you either had some lady that you knew could babysit the kids after school or the kids were latchkey kids. You know, once they got old enough, there weren't, there wasn't that expense. And um, it, if there was a, a two worker household, but a lot of them, the wife stayed home and she wanted to stay home. Um, mm -hmm. Now, some of them, sure, some of the old, because the old, you know, caveman mentality had that, I'm, my wife's not going to work. But you know what? She didn't complain. She wanted to stay home. Um, it's because if they did complain and they became upset, a lot of them were leaving their husbands. They didn't, they didn't say much. If they, if they really wanted to go to work, they went to work, you know, one way or the other. Um, but uh, many of them, not all of them, you know, but many of them, like, I don't, I don't have to listen to you anymore. And they left, they got a divorce. Um, but now, like I said, everybody's working. There are more people available uh, to work because there are more people skilled and more people want to work. And now it looks like it's sliding backwards. People are realizing we don't need to have two incomes. You know, we have other obligations and we can cut expenses a lot. If we Some decide. people for sure. I, I, I do remember... I remember a little bit of, and I, I was born before the whole like one car per household. I, I definitely remember seeing multiple cars in the driveways. Yeah. yeah. I bet no, even in the nineties when, you know, early two thousands, I remember at least two 
cars were in the driveways of all the houses in the neighborhoods. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a common standard that started mm-hmm. really in the in the seventies and continued. You had to have two car, two functioning adults making things happen, especially yeah. if they were both working. You know, both of yeah, them. but they were used cars though. Now yeah. I'm seeing in the same neighborhoods, somebody has a new car usually right. now. Somebody right. has a newer car at least at the most two years, two, three years old now. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was like, that was a big deal for them to have that in their house, you know? Right, and, right. And, and it's it's within the same, you know, of course I can go to a much nicer neighborhood and everybody has a nice car. Everybody has really, really nice, but I'm talking in the same minimum, you know, middle, the class. middle, middle. middle class, yeah, middle class people. Yeah, buying a new car is a big deal if you're middle class. Yeah, yeah and, and it's even more expensive now. So I know they're, they're taking hits somewhere else to be able to afford this car. And I know they're not doing the proper savings like people used to value. I know they're not investing their money. I know they're just putting all into this, this car loan, you know, yeah. instead of, instead of upgrading their house or doing something else they could be doing with it. Cause I'm seeing people in apartments, you know, these apartments aren't really nice apartments, maybe $1,400 a month for this apartment, but this guy owns a Porsche. This guy owns a BMW M5. This guy, yeah. owns, I'm like, you're just, the value system's way off. Like, why aren't you buying a house? Why aren't well, you? That's always been the case. You know, we used to make fun of people who would do that. You know, if, uh, if your car is worth, you know, half of what your house is valued at, you probably need to reevaluate your priorities. You know, right. Uh, or especially more than 50 percent, you know. Like, yeah. If your car loan is the same amount as your mortgage, that doesn't make any sense. Or your rent right. doesn't make any and, sense. Yeah. 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 If your house is valued at 300 grand, but you're driving a hundred thousand dollar car, that's only 33 percent. And you still know, like, what? You know, what? Mm-hmm. What? what's going That's the, the, That better be a work truck, man. That better be making you money. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it's a business expense, that's different, you know. Right. And, and that's it. And I think, like I said, this made people pause. This was a forced pause. And what are people going to do except roll around in their mind, watch money come in or, or watch money go out and go, okay, you know what, honey? I don't, you know, I don't need to do this anymore. I feel a lot better not having to go deal with that grind, deal with bosses who don't appreciate me, deal with clients and customers who treat me bad, deal with Co- uh, co-workers who start all this political nonsense or create problems for me and everybody else. Uh, but because they're related to the boss, they're not going to get rid of them. So I'm the one that has to deal with it. Um, and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, or I'll wait for something else. Something else will come up. You know, I've heard that a couple of times too. Um, and, and if that's the case and you can make it good on you, you know, mm-hmm. They should catch that stuff in the bud. That's toxic work environments, you know, or hostile work environment if they're deliberately messing with you just to make you feel bad or seem less than or, or, or like you don't know anything to make themselves seem better because they know they don't know anything because they got the job because their mother is best friends with the boss's mother, you know, um, so they got hired, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's if, if that's the case, you know, yeah, get away from them. Let them figure it out. You yeah, know? sweet, sweet nepotism. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, they'll swear that side. Oh, no, I'm qualified. I have the education that justifies it. Yeah, the education, but you have no experience, and and now you're senior management. Like, right. how does that happen? You know, yeah. you've never managed anything in your life, it's and you weird. were a failure at everything else you've tried, and now you come to this place where it doesn't matter if you fail because everybody else knows how to do their job, been doing it for years, so they'll just take up the slack for you. They'll just keep doing what needs to be done, no matter what. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, and I know, you know, that's, that's happening in other, in other places and people are just saying, I don't need this. I've realized that I don't need to be here. So I'm not, I, I think that's, that's the big thing. And I hope it continues to force employers to reevaluate their organization, the way they treat their employees and, you know, what kind of work environment they do. I, I, I did see that you know, they are looking at that and they're trying to engage their employees. And that's a good thing. I, I always wanted to be, and everybody says, Oh, we're like family here. Whenever I would hear an employer say that, you know, when I was, cause all, I did contract work as an investigator for uh, different companies. And they were like, well, I hope we have a good relationship. Now I wasn't an employee, but you know, they were, I hope we have a good relationship because we're like family here. Nine out of 10 times. It was like, they were a dysfunctional family. You know, they, 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 yell, they yell at each other. They demand people show up for work no matter how sick they are. They, and I'm like, 
that's not always now every once in a while i would see these people have genuine you know caring and compassion for each other and it'd be a great place to work you know and but most of the time that that wasn't the case yeah yeah especially well i've noticed from working a couple businesses small businesses is uh you know, the owner wants you to have the same work ethic as he has for his business, as in like, as if you're going to get the same profit margins that he's going to, when you're just, you're just a pawn in it, you know, like yeah. it doesn't make any sense, buddy. Why do you yeah, want me to work 12 hours when I'm not getting paid for any more than that? That's tough when, especially when, you know, um, way back when, when, again, uh, in the, in the late sixties, early seventies, you know, the, the CEOs were only making seven to 10 times more than the average floor worker, the average technical frontline worker. And now it's like 70 to a hundred times more. And like yeah. you expect them to care about their position as much as you care about your position. <laughs> That's unlikely. You know, mm -hmm. that it's the world has changed. And, it, and especially if you don't hardly speak to them or talk to them and they don't even know who you are, but you want them to care about the company that's rewarding you handsomely, but working them to death and paying them meagerly, that's not going to happen. And, and, I, and I'm sure that's part of the reason why many, many people are quitting. Um, Retail is a big one. You know, you have people quitting because they didn't have, they didn't want exposure to the virus, you know, and now they're saying, you know what, I'm not putting myself in that position and you're still paying us garbage wages and garbage working conditions with with people who refuse we, you give us no authority to kick people out of the store for people who refuse safety conditions and you give us grief for it and that and now i'm exposed so not doing it you know i'm sure that was a lot of it uh but november couldn't have been because like i said november they were they reduced all that i think people just said you know what i don't need to be here yeah i i hope a lot of people looked at it to i remember when it first started is the commute times were insanely lower because not that many people were on the road yeah. you know and yeah. that hugely decreased the amount of accidents that happened yeah I, I worked like i said from home but then they started you know they wanted us back into work especially people who were in upper management wanted us back into work so i commuted a few times but it was it was less busy than on any any saturday any weekend day it was during a rush hour you know time for it was nothing Mm -hmm. uh, so I know, you know, I, I was one of the few people going, of course, that was also a person in charge, uh, who wanted people, they wanted butts in seats and he didn't care, you know, he, yeah. he got his vaccine and thought, you know, it was like the polio vaccine. I can't get it now and found out different, you know, <laughs> but, um, cause a lot of people got sick after they started coming in, uh, but didn't care. He's one of those people you're not working unless you're in the seats. Although, you could track it and see literally things happening, you know, digital products and, and documentation being done and, you know, certain things being accomplished while nobody was there. So obviously that wasn't necessary, but he just couldn't stand it. He just didn't, if, if I have to go in, everybody, asked, well, you don't have to go in, you know, but well, you want you know, to go in and you can boomers. force people to go in. Yeah. <laughs> That's the boomer thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, uh, he's older than boomer. You know, probably. So, Jesus. Yeah, the you know they call it the great generation. You know, the silent generation. Uh, just a little bit. You know, uh, he's on that cusp. I think, boomer and and uh, silent generation. You know. Okay. Um, Old. Yeah. Yeah. Ancient. Yeah, it would be late, you know, late seventies. Um, but yeah, it just just because he grew up that that wasn't an option and couldn't possibly believe that anybody would be working where now electronics monitor everything. Everybody knows exactly what you're doing all the time and exactly what you're doing and what you're not doing and how long you're on and how long and what you're doing when you're on or not on. You know, it just, everybody knows this, but doesn't matter. You know, just, just that mentality. Yeah. That, that commute time alone. I mean, the lack, the lack of traffic saved lives undoubtedly. Like oh, yeah. the amount of people, I know there's at least one wreck in the morning every day on i-45 you know at yeah. least one well, you're in That's... houston so you have a different uh, it's it's you got nine billion people in the greater houston area you know so that that's going to be a whole different yeah but i mean when you don't have that many people on the road you have less you have less accidents yeah, that's how it yeah. is 
And you see all the stocks for gas, you know, for uh, Exxon, Chevron, Shell, and the rest of them just plummeted in the 2020s because nobody needed needed fuel for vehicles anymore in the United States, you know, and that, they use it more than anybody else. It just plummeted. So using less fuel, less traffic, therefore less collisions, you know, less uh, government services being used, less hospital services, which was a good thing because the hospitals were full with people who were sick. You know, they, they were they were bursting at the seams and, uh, it, and it really needed to happen. I know those people who said, well, this is crazy. We can't get anything done. Well, things got done, you know, um, and there were a lot less problems because people weren't intermingling and spreading it like crazy, you know. Uh, but I know it's tough for people to acknowledge it because they thought it was a hoax, which is which is silly. Uh, but I know that it did force people to reevaluate how they live their lives, what they do, when they do it, how they spend their money, how they earn their money, and what they have to tolerate from people on a day-to-day -day basis when you get a break, a forced break, and you don't have people who are nasty to you, who are, who, you know, and you, people, you'd be like, I don't need, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm, I'm not going to, I can do something else, or we can make it on one. I didn't think we could, but when we cut back all this and I don't have to drive and I don't need a new vehicle because I can sell my vehicle and get a cheaper one or just do without it, you know, it, and, and then you change your lifestyle because you had to, and now you realize this is pretty good. You know, I think that's what's causing it personally. You know, everybody just needs to start getting motorcycles, man. Ah, just yeah. <laughs> lower that cost, lower that cost. Although, but, I mean, it's, it's debatable, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're paying, you well, know, that's seven. a myth. You're paying less for gasoline, but you know you change your tires like 10 times more. Yeah, the maintenance, the maintenance there is definitely more. But, I mean, you, you can't compare a seven grand used bike compared to a $70,000 new truck that you didn't need. You know what I mean? Like, that, that already ceiling is going to take a long time for that maintenance to catch right, up. Right, right, right. You'll right. never but get also, there. Whether people just aren't the same. I mean, people are per capita and not even per capita, but just raw numbers. There are fewer motorcycles on the road, but there's a yeah. lot more people on the road. So, you know, and, and everybody's like, everybody drives crazy. There's a lot more traffic. And that's all true. You have to be a certain kind of person to want to ride a bike as much as you can. Like I have it, you have it, but most people don't. They do it as it's a recreational vehicle and they do it whenever it's convenient and fun. Uh, yeah. We do it whenever we can, whether it's fun or convenient, we do it. Rain, yeah. cold, doesn't matter. Most people don't do that. Um, I've avoided ice for now on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, and you found out why. And and one of my bad uh, wipeouts was due to black ice. Uh, when I was in the army, I was on a motorcycle, hit a patch of black ice. The next thing I knew, I was on my back, and the bike was on the other side of the road. I don't even remember yeah, how that happens happened. quick. Yeah, that low side happens quick on that ice. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I was going down a uh, down a highway, a state highway, with just a slight turn, just and it was gone. Just you know, it's like a frictionless mm. patch. You know, done. Um, so you know, it it, but it, you know, aside, aside from that, um, it, it is lower if if you maintain it, but it's a lot more work because you have to maintain it. A lot yeah. more modern cars need almost nothing for maintenance. Uh, filters, oil, tires, and that pretty much takes care of everything for the first hundred and fifty thousand miles. You know, well, if you know, if you get a good one, you know, yeah, a yeah. Yamaha, I mean, yeah. Honda, Suzuki, something reliable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm talking about for cars. You know. Oh, oh cars. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. Have... There's obviously. I, I mean, I the reason I say it is because the the lack of expense. You know, you when you get a motorcycle and you start oh, doing that motorcycle expense. life. Correct. Yeah. You start realizing like, okay, uh, I don't need that many things because you can't carry that many things. Right. Right. But so, again, that requires a certain mindset and lifestyle. And, and, and I know what you're saying, or I think what you're trying to say is, well, if you're going to do that, go ahead and get more minimalist and you realize you don't even need a car, you know? Right. And you can create an even, an even uh, more minimal lifestyle. Just, just do a motorcycle, you know, but we live I, in the Gulf. We live in the I wouldn't car. recommend no car, but at least I would say one car, but may, like try to ride your bike as much as possible just because it's like I, you start realizing real quick how much you don't need. You know, I don't need five bags of whatever the crap I have in here or, you know, I don't need to buy all these groceries for possibly 
stuffing my freezer for things that I'll have to throw out in four months. It's got freezer burnt. You start buying things, you know, you start buying for this week. You start buying, like, I can only fit so much. So I have to buy what I'm going to eat and you eat efficiently. You, you start doing things more efficient because you have to live efficiently. I think it's just yeah. a better lifestyle if you're looking to do that. You and, know? and maybe that's what we were trying to say earlier. Um, people are living more purposely and with more uh, thought and intention into what they're doing with their lives. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not tolerating that stuff. And uh, certainly if you're, if you're a motorcycle is going to be your main mode of transportation, you have to do that. Like I have an old used car, as you know, um, 14, 15 years old now. Um, and it's, I don't hardly ever drive it. Um, it's, I, I ride the motorcycle to do anything I need to do three to four times more than that. Um, mm-hmm. I use that if I'm going to make a large grocery run or do a long run in very inclement weather and I have to take other things. Otherwise, I'm on a motorcycle. Uh, that's, yeah. how I, that's how I prefer it. But that thought process, you realize I'm doing this because I enjoy it and it adds something to my life. Like really the, the worst day on a motor, uh, motorcycle is still better than the best day in a, in a car <laughs> to me, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. I've, been, I've ridden my motorcycle through hurricanes and some really bad storms at night, lightning and with a, uh, a semi-flat tire. And even then, it was, it was horrible at the time. But even then, I'm like, that was still pretty cool. It was better than, better than a car. <laughs> you know? Even on a nice day, um, just because I was on a motorcycle, it's just more enjoyment. But the thing is, I did it on purpose, knowing the limitations and like, okay, I, ha- I have no choice. I have to do this. Um, and you're willing to accept that risk and they're willing to accept that risk. Like, you know what? The worst day at home is better than the best day at work. I need to be somewhere else. And that, and that's why I mentioned that as an analogy, like this is, I don't want to die of a heart attack, you know, when my, in my late forties or fifties, you know, and, and, and doing a job I hate dealing with people that don't like me for poor wages. You know, I, I'm ready to do something else. And I'm, I'm sure they had those realizations. And you know, that kind of fortifies that idea too, that you say, and they're kind of having an epiphany about their lifestyle yep. is a lot of people got into fitness over yeah. the, over the break and started people like, I need to eat better. I need to move around more. I need to start exercising. So I think that does go along the same thought process of, I need to improve my life and what I value. Cause obviously this isn't what I actually wanted to do with my life, you know? Yeah, and I think that's really the crux of the whole thing. Everybody's like, this is my opportunity. I've been shown that I, it's on me to improve my life, and now's my time. Why I've been, I can see I can do it now. Now is the time because there won't be a better time later. You know? I'm sure a great motivator was as well as, um, you know, the, the more obese people were keeling over from from the uh oh, from the virus yeah, yeah yeah so i'm like hey man i should get in shape otherwise i might be a comorbidity you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need i need as few comorbidities as i can possibly have in order to uh, yeah i'm sure that had something to do with it uh but it, but in this particular instance um yeah i think i think it was just a realization that touched every part of their lives and they conducted themselves and said I'm going to be more purposeful about what I do and make sure that I can squeeze as much joy for myself. I mean, everybody deserves to live for themselves if they can, rather than you breaking your back, working for somebody else who doesn't appreciate you and pays you nothing or uses you as a scapegoat uh, for things they do wrong because they don't know what to do, but they want you to do it, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you see that in large businesses. Like- and that, and, and I, I think people get away from that. And that really is the American dream is just a, the opportunity to, to do something that you want to do in life. That's the, that's the real American dream is, is not the white picket fence. That's not for everybody. It's the opportunity to do something that's not the normal of what you have to do with everybody else is doing, you know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that to me anyway, I mean, we may be two outliers here, but I agree with you. Like the real American dream is, are you happy and are you doing what you want to do? Yeah. And of course that includes not harming anybody or anything like that. I I mean, being a good person, you know, something, well, yeah, I just want to, you know, go down the landscape and pillage and feed. like, no, 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 no. We mean being a, 
I like burning forests down. Like, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, you always have those crazy, but you know, being a good person and and just living your dream, doing what you want for your own reasons, fine, enjoying contentment for yourself. And hopefully, like me, I'd want that's what I want to do while I help and educate other people and get them to consider other things. And I I just, you know, in in my looking at all the statistics and how many people it was. It has to be, that's it. it. Everybody was just forced with that realization and said, you know what? I think I can, I think I can do something else. I don't have to be here. Um, and I, I don't know uh, about you. Uh, you change jobs, but your job really changed um, around you as opposed to yeah. you leaving it and making a change yourself. Yeah. And that wasn't really due to the, the certain times. It was just, it was inevitable. It just happened to be coincidental. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a Fortune magazine at the beginning of this month, January 2022, did say that um, hires are on an upswing as people who quit continue to rise. So that means there are, as we suspected, there are more jobs opening up, hiring people away from jobs they don't like. They're just taking it, you know. But uh, Gallup.com said that it takes about a 20% increase in pay to lure somebody away from a job that they're okay with. Meaning they don't yeah. particularly like it. But they're like, yeah, this is okay. They know it. They're comfortable with it. They do it. Um, they're getting paid reasonably. And they're... They have no, they're not looking, they have no intention. It takes a 20% raise to get them away from the job on average. But it's if, weird. If it's weird that that's, that's the base because it would, to me, that's a lot more, there's a lot more variables for me to change. Right. Jobs, but, you know, you know we're, we're just talking in general terms. But, but if you're discontented with your job, you don't like your job, it takes almost nothing, just an opportunity. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm out. It's my, hey, I got another job. You want it? What's it doing? And they tell you something that you're okay with. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even ask questions. They're like, I'm out of here. You know, they, they don't beat me, do they? No. Okay. Yeah, right, right. So, you know, I, I it, it seems like, you know, as we were talking that people were taking this opportunity, to, they're quitting because they're not happy, obviously, you know, um, but the reason they're not happy is they're not being treated well, or they're not being paid well or both. Um, so typically when you're not being treated well, managers have probably run off more people than anybody else. I mean, people who get into jobs where clients and customers are abusive, they know those jobs. But if they have no backing from their managers or they get harassed by their managers, it, they're not going to be there long, no matter how well they're getting paid. They're, they're going to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to be here. Uh, or, or if a manager sees uh, they're, they're a good person, but they see, you know, coworkers and supervisors being problems to, to other people, but they do nothing about it. They don't have their, their people's back, especially people who produce and make good things happen, but they just, I don't want to get involved. They'll figure it out. Yeah. It, it, I blame the manager for that reason, you know? Um, so, you know, that if, if that's going on, they're taking the opportunity to leave and you can't blame them, you know? No, you definitely can't. I'm glad more people are leaving. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it's putting people in the right perspective on things. Like we said, I, I hope, I really in the think long so. run that yeah. I, I hope in the long run with what the infrastructure is now with internet availability for most people in America that at home at home work really becomes a lot more norm because I think that's that can that can solve a lot of issues that we have in America right now with, with commute with traffic with accidents you know with everything that's coming that's yeah, just they, a, just the surface level of what they may really have a lot of those people in those retail and hotel jobs, you know, hospitality jobs may have gone to working from home jobs, you know, different type of jobs and being call centers where they can be at home, you know, and, and uh, working online, you know, where they didn't have to go in and compute and deal with, deal with the kind of people, you know, who abuse them in hospitality and, and retail places. And that might be the case, but you're still going to need people for those places, you know, so. Yeah, I'm not sure if those ones quitting are going to be the ones, but I, I do know office jobs, you know, there was a huge migration from while the COVID was happening. Oh, couldn't, shouldn't have said that, but oh, well, <laughs> is, uh, is, you know, people started working from home and, and I think that's going to be a huge advantage 
for a lot of people getting to say, hey, we did this for a year. It worked fine. We can still, you know what I mean? I, I get to see my kids more. I get to see my husband or my wife when they when they come home more because I'm not out working or they get to work home with me. That's even better. You know, I get to see them a lot more often. I get to see, I get to do things on my break instead of just going down to the local gas station and grabbing the fastest food because I didn't have time to prepare the night before. Yeah, when you're you're not spending money on gas, you know, transportation, childcare, eating out at lunch, uh, tolls and wear and tear, clothing, uh, going out after work to maintain that, you know, uh, work colleague aspect, you know, uh, when you're not dealing with all that and you realize how much all that actually costs um, and the attendant accessory expenses that go with those things that you don't think about or see until you actually don't have to use them and you see your, your monthly expenditures drop in half because for that individual, because they're not doing those things, they're just staying home and doing what they need to do with occasional entertainment expenses of, you know, Netflix or HBO Max or something like that, uh, downloading a movie or going for a walk in the park or working out at home because you can't go to the gym because it's got its problems with people. When you see those expenses dwindle to, to very little because you don't have to go into the office every day and you didn't want to go into the office anyway, you just thought you needed the money and you realize I don't need that much money. Yeah, it's definitely going to make you rethink your life, you know, and you realize I'm much happier because I don't have to deal with those people, whoever those people are, you know, whatever they might be like, I don't have to deal with those people. I can do something else. I'm doing something else. You know, that's really what I think this is about. And, and they, you know, you see a lot of other uh, people who are, have PhDs and unemployment statistics and all this, but they didn't have to live it. They're doing jobs they want. And their ivory towers are pretty high up there. So they don't really know what these retail workers have to go through. These hospitality workers have to go through. These office workers who are uh, overworked, misused, and abused. And uh, all the internal politics. I'm sure they have their own. But it's different when all you have to do is research statistics, do some you know, check, fact-checking, um, create an essay report, and get it out there. I mean, you don't really have to talk to anybody. You just have to produce this product, you know, and, and, and get it out there. Um, and you might be doing it from your home too, you know, where you don't have to deal with that. Like those people that the average person had to do. And now the average person realized I don't have to do that. So they're just leaving, you know, they showed a fifth of the people left in 2020 and 4.1 million more left in just November, that doesn't even speak to the one, that was 2021, that doesn't even speak to the ones in 2021. I'm sure there were more people who quit, you know, yeah, it, from, the, from yeah, January. it was still going on, yeah. you know, so that's, that's a fifth quit in 2020. And in 2021, I, I didn't find any accurate statistics. It was all over the place. So I didn't want to quote, quote them, but it was certainly, they said that was the most in 2020. So it was certainly up there. And it was the most in 2021 in November. That one month was the most ever, 4.1 million. So yeah, there it, it certainly was happening other months. So there's a lot of people who realize I don't have to be here or I'm doing something else. And they took the opportunity to do it and good for them. Yep. Yep. So what about you? You think you're going to do that? <sighs> It's always been a thought in the back of my head, especially with my situation. I, again, I, I've already lived, I've lived a minimal lifestyle for since growing up. So it's nothing new to me. You know, it's been like, I don't need that many things. So if I really wanted to get something done, I have plenty in the bank. Yeah, we, could... we, we were, you know, mission specific on what we got and why. I mean, we had video games and watch movies and, and, and went some places, but there weren't a whole lot of extras, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because two, we were supporting two different households. Your mother had hers. I had mine. And, you know, I was trying to spend as much time with you. So I kept my hours to a minimum, which meant minimum income, you know, and, um, and that's why I took that job with state government. So I would have a nine to five and I could spend it with y'all. So state government doesn't pay much with me, but we had just, just enough and just enough to be entertaining. We could do things. But you could see, you know, what it could do, you know, what you could do with not as much as 
a lot of other people. And it didn't really mean anything. We were, I thought we were generally happier than, than they were. I mean, surely it'd be cool to have more stuff, but obviously didn't need it. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's another thing to a lot of people was during that lockup was um, a lot of relationships got, were struggling. <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of people were realizing, I don't like being around this person that, that much. <laughs> oh, I'm, not I, at work. I'm, sure, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it too. Uh, I don't know if it had any impact on uh, resignations, uh, but uh, I'm uh, sure it, it divorce rates, I think went up. <laughs> right, right. But unfortunate. I, I mean, job resignations, like, uh, you know, we talked about you going back to school for a specific skill, you know, uh, going to uh, electrical school. Um, and I think that's a great thing. But, you know, uh, we were thinking about that before all this started, you know. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it, it would have any impact, but it'd make you reevaluate everything. I'm sure it did. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, tech schools went crazy during that they started locking up so it, it became a weird thing where there are some were mandating some were locking up their entire system some were getting shut down because people they were mandating and people didn't want to but didn't want to sign up so they didn't get enough attendance to be able to continue there yeah their so there were there was no chance for you to go to the, to become an electrician and go to votech school to learn your skill and start apprenticeship because they were just shut down yeah there was chances but it was finicky. You didn't know who was going to be the next one to shut down. You didn't know who was going to lock up their system. You didn't know, you know what I mean? Like yeah, so, you, could, you could go into one and you're not really sure if it's going to pan out well. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that happened with businesses as well, not just school. So people probably quit because it was unpredictable and they had to find a job that was paying them. I, I never even thought about that. Um, yeah. That, that would be very important. If you're, if you're struggling and you're trying to work with somebody, but they keep closing the door, you're, you're not going to be there much longer. You're going to look yeah. for another place to work. And I'm sure that happened too, but everybody kind of knew that was happening for those kind of, for those kind of jobs, you know? So mm -hmm. um, that was the whole reason for the government program where they were paying them, but they were paying them enough for food and, and basic essentials. They weren't really paying them, you know, for yeah. an employment was probably the best it's ever been, but for a lot of people, but even then it wasn't, that was just through one year, you know, it, it dried up eventually or a year and a half. And, um, and the, and the big quit in November happened after the benefits stopped, you know, right. so that, that couldn't have been it. Um, I think it was just simple. I don't have to be here. Um, so I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. That was definitely seems to be the reason I can't think of anything else besides people really assessing their life and like, Oh, Okay. Nah, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm gonna yeah, go do something yeah. else. Yeah, I got other plans. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, next podcast, we are going to talk about what? Um, we can talk about a lot of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we had a we had a subject we discussed. Um, illegal drugs. Uh, what have we made them legal? Oh, we're doing illegal drugs. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, the good thing is we have two countries that made all drugs legal and have for years and years. So we'll talk about that, what's happened with them and actual impacts and what's going on now with the war on drugs that started in the 70s and hit their peak in the 80s and 90s uh, and all that. So that's going to be our next podcast. And thank you all for watching. Please uh, like and subscribe and we'll talk to you soon.